Hello, bloodhounds and creepy peeps, and welcome to the ninth episode of My Bloody Podcast, your hopefully go-to horror movie podcast or horror television. I'm Preston Barter, and I'm joined by my co-host, who will drink your milkshake, Mr. Brian Kluger. How are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic, and I will drink all the milkshake. Preston knows this. He's been there. (laughs) With a really long straw. With a really long straw. I'm finished. I can't believe this is episode nine. Yeah, we're a week behind, but we're here. It's nine. We're a couple weeks in. It's great. I think things are going well. It was it was good. We I think we were both on vacation at respective beaches recently. Yes, yes. What, what beach were you at? I was in Santa Monica, California, right Ooh. near the beach. <laughs> nice. We were right by the pier. Um, I went to a wedding there. There were celebs at this wedding, which was hilarious. Ooh. What kind of celebs? Randy Jackson from American Idol was in attendance. <laughs> and this and this was somebody you knew? Yes. Um, this guy, um, his name's David Price. Um, look him up on IMDb. He's a big producer of reality television. Um, and his now wife, Michelle, um, is a talent agent out there. Um, and I think they are friends with a lot of these people and work together. So Randy Jackson was there. And I, when as soon as I saw Randy Jackson... Tell me you got him to sign, like, a samurai sword, like in Step Brothers. I told my friend Warren, who was there, as soon as I saw him, I was like, dude, we got to get a samurai sword and have him sign this. But we were, we we didn't have enough to drink yet, so we kind of chickened out. (laughs) And then, and then Macy Gray was there, and then she performed with the wedding band for two songs and danced with everybody, which was super cool. Very cool. Yeah, it was a fun wedding. It was, it was, and the, the beach was awesome. And I hope your beach was just as good. It's always good to get out and hopefully see Jaws at some point. Yes, yes. I'm actually going to be doing that this weekend. I'm going to go to the Alamo's Rolling Road Show of Jaws. They're going to be showing it at Lake Travis. And uh, so you can watch the original on the water and float in the tubes and. So you're actually, you're going to, have you done this before? Because I've known they've done this for the last several years with showing Jaws actually on the water. I No, I've never done it before. I know they've been doing it for a little while. They've even shown the other Jaws films uh, there, but given that this is the first one, does the best. Um, so I think they're just going to be showing just the first one this summer, but... Uh, no, I haven't gone, but I have recreated it myself in my own backyard because I have a pool and I have a projector and I have surround sound. So I put that, set that up and my wife and I watched it out there and floated on our tubes in the pool, which was still effective. That's awesome. Well, now you're going to be like in an actual like lake. <laughs> so there is a bigger <laughs> chance of something coming up to kill you. Absolutely. And you get to see when the when the shark explodes at the end of the film, they uh, set up fireworks. They set off some fireworks to go along with it. That's awesome. So are you just going down there for that for the weekend? Are you doing anything else in Austin? Uh, so, yeah, we're, I think we're going to do that on Friday night. And then we're going to hang around Austin, probably stay in Round Rock and uh, head up to Austin during the day on Saturday. No, like, nothing, nothing. Nothing else really planned. We're just kind of, kind of go with the flow and see what else happens. That's cool, man. That's cool. You got, you got to keep me posted. And you got to talk about it next week when you come back for sure. Yeah, uh, definitely. But uh, I, yeah, I went to uh, the Gulf Shores in Alabama. Sweet. I had never been before, so we went with my wife's family, and we took my son for the first time to the beach. And uh, he, he's actually teething at the moment, so it took about a day or two to kind of get him used to that environment. But once he got comfortable, he was playing with the sand and even uh, floated with us out 
in the ocean and he he fell asleep out there a couple of times so we got to <laughs> like hold him while he's taking his nap but uh i think the reason for that is just because we have a sound machine that we put uh put by him uh when he sleeps every night and it's ocean sounds so i think that was a reason as to why that happened but it was great nice i like it um, I'm glad y'all had a good time, safe trip, safe travels, and all that good stuff. And mm-hmm. when you're in Austin next week, you're going to have to eat at the best pizza you'll ever have place. What's uh, that? It's called Via 313. Oh, yeah. I think you were telling me about that when we were at Fantastic Fest. You have to get Detroit-style pizza. And if it's open, being the horror-themed, there is a place called Casino El Camino on 6th Street in Austin. It's a satanic horror-themed burger place and bar. Wow. You're going to like it. Casino El Camino. It's awesome. So, yes, you got to let me know. Jaws, pizza, and burgers. That sounds like the perfect, perfect weekend getaway, actually. Actually, that kind of sounds like the TV show Street Sharks. Because that's, <laughs> that's what they would eat. Chow down on pizza and burgers and cruise the streets literally underground. I like that. I like that. Um, I can't believe this is our ninth episode of my bloody podcast on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Can you believe it? No, no. I I, mean, I feel like we actually, I guess a lot of people kind of say this once they're in a pretty good ways into something. It feels like it just kind of started like last week, but yet we're here. Yeah, we've been over two months, man. Still together, we're, and I'm liking yeah. it. <laughs> We're past the Fast and Furious franchise at this point. We are. Are we still in the honeymoon phase, though? Maybe. 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 Maybe a little bit. Um, we have a good show, right? What, are, what? What's our main topic for later on today? Okay, so I guess speaking about, uh, or speaking to Randy Jackson's Samurai Sword, uh, we're doing Ninja <laughs> 3, The Domination. We um, didn't plan that, folks. It just happened in life. <laughs> yeah. uh, Ninja so, 3, Domination is going to be our main topic. And if you don't know about it, you probably don't know about this movie. But once we talk about it, you're going to immediately want to see this or own it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's more of an action film, but it has some nice horror elements sprinkled throughout, especially one scene in particular, which I feel like we're going to dissect the hell out of once we get to the feature review. Oh, it's so much fun. Uh, we have my bloody recommendations coming up, and uh, but we got, we got some horror stuff going on in the world right now. Um, I know the last week or two we've talked about this. Um, the new Halloween movie that's coming out which is supposedly i guess a reboot sequel uh i guess it's a sequel after part two i guess uh, i think it's even i think it might just be a sequel to the first one. Oh, might be um yeah as any of them didn't exist after that but uh there's a good director there's good people behind this including david gordon green and um Oh, what's his name? Danny McBride. Kenny Powers. Kenny Powers. You're fucking out. Uh, So, yeah, they're making a Halloween movie, and they finally released the trailer, and it stars Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode once again. So Mm -hmm. we saw the trailer. What what did you think? Uh, It was everything I really wanted it to be. Uh, I had talked about in previous podcasts, episodes about how the storyline was going to be that she was kind of taking over the role of Dr. Loomis in a way and taking on these uh, Sarah Connor like abilities from like T2 and has been preparing for his escape uh, for the past 40 years. And uh, I think that's a nice way to kind of shake up the franchise a bit. And yeah, it looks like uh, Jamie Lee Curtis has like, as far as the trailers, like she knows how to handle a gun. She's doing target mm-hmm. practice. She has like secret underground layers. Yeah, like in, she's prepping, and I like that Terminator Two analogy. I'm, sh- I bet you that's what they were thinking of. Yeah, T Two and Home Alone. <laughs> oh my God! Can this turn into a Home Alone movie? 
at the yeah. end. Setting booby traps. That's why I said. I mean, that, 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 that's the reason why I like Skyfall so much. Yes, it turned into Home Alone at the very end. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the trailer is really cool because it has like the original theme song and some of the like the musical cues in it. Uh, and it looks good. And one thing I noticed because I've watched the trailer so much because I love the Halloween movies. Um, mm-hmm. If I'm wrong, I think in the original film, she, uh, what's her name, um, Jamie Lee Curtis stabs Jamie, uh, Mike Myers in the neck with I think a sewing needle. Yeah, and they they showed the scar. Yeah, they showed like the hole in the in the mask in the new trailer. I was like, wow, okay, so like this is like yeah, this this looks crazy. So I'm super excited, and I can't wait to see like what she's been doing since then. Really. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um. So we're excited for this, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh and in the trailer, there's a scene that looks like Mike Myers is had been caught and is in a mental facility. But Mm -hmm. that scene with, I guess, this documentary crew uh, that goes in to, like, talk to him, I can't wait to see how this all happens. But it looks so creepy and scary. I have no idea what to expect. Yeah, especially the the shot of one of those documentarians or reporters or whatever they are um, is, like, in a bathroom stall. Yes. And then he walks in there and just puts his hand over the stall while she's sitting on the toilet and then drops just all this teeth. And you don't know whether it's the guy who like owns the gas station or if it's like the other guy that is with her, because you could, you know, like nowadays with movie trailers, especially when they're released on YouTube, you can like pause them and like really do like a shot by shot analyzation of the entire trailer and you can kind of see that the guy that she that michael myers is a uh, hitting up hitting up against the stall door is the guy that's the other documentarian and yes. so so uh he he's a ghost in the movie to me but um i am just excited for how they're gonna handle like the nostalgia make it feel new and um, and the new characters that they have in this being her granddaughter and daughter and all that. Yeah, I uh, imagine it's going to be quite amazing. Uh, it, what it looks like, I just think they're probably going to do it right finally. After yeah. like eight movies. <laughs> eight times a charm. Yeah. Is it eight times a charm? Oh my goodness. I guess it's the yeah, ninth read. All right, all right. Um, so I guess, uh, let's, let's move on from that. Talk about Hereditary again. I guess Hereditary is still doing super well in theaters, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, it did. It's A24's, uh, best release thus far, surpassing The Witch and, I guess, Moonlight and films like that. Yeah, so it's doing well, but, uh... Red Terry's coming on Blu-ray and DVD uh, within the next few months. And supposedly there is uh, a cut of this movie that is three hours long um, mm-hmm. with 30 additional scenes uh, that were not that did not make the final cut that we've seen in theaters. But it looks like the three-hour cut will not make it to Blu-ray, unfortunately, but some of the deleted scenes will. And my question is, why? Why can't we get this three-hour cut? I'm... I don't know. Because it never happens. But, like, wouldn't, wouldn't they want to? Wouldn't, you like, like, the director's cut DVD, like, wouldn't that be, like, a selling point to see the movie again or actually buy it? And that's the only way you can see the three-hour cut? I feel like that's a good marketing decision. I don't know. They may save it down the line. Seems like a lot of films kind of, you know, like, just a couple... Last year, we, you could watch the director's cut of... The Exorcist 3 for the first time of them going and finding the raw footage. And so they could probably do something like that down the line. But I think um, if they're making pretty good money off of the theatrical cut and then they can include some decent uh, good scares and these deleted scenes or some good, uh, I guess, like more exposition for the film or more character details, um, That'll probably satisfy enough people. And it's kind of like uh, the release of Wolf on Wall Street. I didn't buy the 
that on Blu-ray because I did, I felt that the special features were not good enough, and so uh, I don't know what else uh, they have uh, cooked up on the Blu-ray release, but uh, they could potentially down the line do a nice little collector's edition of it. Oh man, I want to I want a Criterion of that. I want Criterions of every Scorsese movie, especially yeah. Wolf of Wall Street, because you know. You want to see like a two-hour documentary on the making of that movie? Yeah, just just Leo getting into character and going crazy. I actually watched it a couple of days or a couple of weeks ago, and it's still fun. Oh, it's such a good movie. I love it. Um, but yeah, so Hereditary is like two hours long, basically, and mm. there's an hour mm. long. I mean, I just can't imagine what else what they left out and why they would leave it out. Yeah. So. Yeah. I guess we'll figure that out sooner or later, um, as far as you know what's on the move, what's on the Blu-ray and DVD. Um, what else you got? What other, what other good news stuff can we talk about? Tell our tell our wonderful listeners about. Um, I guess we can talk about the one that I didn't tell you about uh, before we started the show, and that's uh, Marilyn Manson did a cover of "Cry Little Sister" from the Lost Boys. And so that's that's my uh, weak point that I brought in the Lost Boys into this episode, which is awesome because Preston and I, I believe, when we first met, we liked each other, but now I think we've come into one as a, like a one person as a whole when we think about <laughs> the same things because. I actually saw this news and I watched it and it is an excellent cover. Yeah. And it made me put on the original Lost Boys movie while I was listening to the original soundtrack. <laughs> awesome. It's good um, because Marilyn Manson does have kind of a newish album. Uh, album. Yeah, he- Heaven Upside Down. Yes, um, which, you know, came out. Recently, it's not like this week yeah. or anything, but uh, it's a it's a I think it's a great album because I like Marilyn Manson. I've liked his last few albums uh, for sure, uh, but I don't think the Cry Little Sister song is on that album. But I think throughout time, like when Marilyn Manson became really popular, he did cover uh, the Eurythmics' "Sweet Dreams," but he's Dreams. also done a re uh, a reboot of the song uh by i think soft cell uh yeah. tainted he's love. done like yeah, yeah he's done like john lennon and all all kinds of stuff just putting his own little sinister spin on it and they're all great they're all really good and tyler bates the composer mm-hmm. um such as for we just recently talked about Bubba hotep has worked with Marilyn Manson on a bunch of his albums. So I th- it's really cool. But yes, Preston, I'm so thank you for mentioning this because if you haven't heard the original Cry Little Sister by, uh, uh, what's their name? Sisters of Mercy, right? Yeah. Um, you're going to love Marilyn Manson's version of it. It's really good. <laughs> yeah. And it's a haunting good song. And it just brings you back to that. Glorious 80s Lost Boys, Corey Haim, Corey Feldman, Jason Patrick. Goodness. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I'm glad you saw that. And I hope when he comes to town, because I think Marilyn Manson and Rob Zombie are touring right now. Mm -hmm. Hopefully he plays Cry Little Sister. Um, That'd be great, because I I bought tickets to Alice Cooper just yesterday, actually, because the tickets were like $17 a piece, so it wasn't a bad price. So I hopefully, hopefully... He will play the theme song, the theme track from Jason Lives. I really hope so. Oh, man. That would be super cool if he did that. You know, you, you, you might, if uh, you could probably check his set lists on like the setlist.com or whatever and see if he's actually been playing that, which would be awesome. Yeah. Because if he plays that from Friday the 13th and he plays Feed My Frankenstein from Wayne's World, it's just like the best day ever. Yep. Um, all right. Other news. I guess we have more shining sequel news, right? From Dr. Sleep. Mm hmm. Ewan McGregor yeah. has been cast as Danny Torrance. So I'm super, super excited about this because I think he's going to play a great Danny Torrance. I mean, you have a Jedi, Obi-Wan, Kenobi. <laughs> 
going to play an older Danny Torrance in this Shining sequel, which just sounds, this is gating steam. This sounds awesome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, really good uh, filmmakers are now getting really good talent. I think it sh- should be a promising movie. Oh, so do you think at any point in time that Danny Torrance is going to have his, like, his Jack Nicholson, here's Johnny moment in this one? Uh, I don't know. Well, you would know more than I would since you've read the book. But uh, I guess if you're even teasing that idea that there's prob- there probably is one or maybe um, <laughs> these directors who uh, – or I guess director um, who's kind of known for putting his own little spin on work that he's adapting. And he, he, did, he adapted as Stephen King's Gerald's Game, like we said in uh, episodes past – and uh, he kind of changes it up a little bit to kind of either work with the times or to, uh, you know, make it a little more if, if an effective horror film. And so I wouldn't be surprised if there's some kind of uh, nods to Stanley Kubrick's film more than the book, since we, we really we know that Stan, uh, Stephen King notoriously does not like Steve, Stanley Kubrick's film at all. So I, I'm curious to know if... Um, this director will be making this uh, sequel be more like Stanley Kubrick's film and less like the book. So, I mean, Dr. Sleep and The Shining are different books for sure. And I think mostly why Stephen King disliked Kubrick's version is that Jack, the character Jack Torrance, was completely different in Kubrick's mind than King's mind. Um, it more played out like King's version in the TV miniseries, which I think was worse than Kubrick's version. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm I'm still looking forward to this, and I, I I hope there's like you know little winks to the old Kubrick version because it's iconic. It's still scary as hell, even though King doesn't like it. Yeah. Here's Danny. <laughs> yeah. I hope he has like his tricycle still. It's gonna be amazing. Yeah. He's, like, fixing it up for... Does he have children of his own? Oh, you will see. You will see. I'm not going to spoil any of that away because... Well, I I will say this. He does kind of... There's a lot of aspects of his father in him. And Mm. you'll see kind of how that kind of turns out. But um, I I don't want to spoil anything because it is really cool on what they do with the whole... How The Shining works. Like, the whole uh, mysterious kind of telepathy they use it's really cool mm, okay so you have to see how it plays out um but yeah it's good so mcgregor obi-wan kenobi i'm excited he's gonna have the force in this doctor sleep as well yeah <laughs> i wonder if that's why they casted him i don't know all right moving on a bit of good news for tv show fans of lucifer lucifer was canceled but who came and saved the day Netflix. Netflix once again swooping in, taking Lucifer out of their cancellation and be like, hey, we're going to revive you and give you more seasons. So Lucifer is coming back. Netflix only. You know, when you see this, it's weird to me because I guess we've talked about this. Netflix is like the biggest company ever now. Uh, And... Why Lucifer? Because I get Lucifer. I mean, I've reviewed one or one season of it, and it's okay. But, like, why not Veronica Mars? Why not Freaks and Geeks? Why not Firefly? You know? I mean, yes, probably cheaper to film Lucifer. <laughs> yeah, or they can just strike why the iron's hot, because... It, it, it's it's an interesting uh, you know period that we're in with television where something when it says it's canceled doesn't really mean that it's you know definite. Uh, Amazon or Netflix or Hulu can come in and save shows like they have with uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine and uh, other shows like that uh, who've gotten second lives through um, other networks and um, I don't know. Um, my wife watches Lucifer. She really likes the show. She enjoys, um, it's kind of like her Buffy fix in a way, or at least what I have observed in her watching it because it's like, you know, a cop show, uh, with, uh, supernatural elements kind of thrown in and him being the devil and all. 
And so uh, I believe that the third season had ended on a cliffhanger. Um, and so it's, I, I imagine it has a lot of people interested just to kind of see where it goes forward. So even if it doesn't continue, continually go like into more seasons on Netflix, I guess it just kind of all depends on like how well it does on there. Uh, they at least get to have like a season to kind of wrap things up. And that would be nice um, because I, I like it when networks like FX is known for doing this. They did that with the show uh, uh, Wilfred, um, yes, which I really, yes. which I really liked. I love that show. That was a genius show. Yeah. And um, like they had more plans to kind of go forward and keep going, but I guess the ratings were, were down. And so effects, uh, even if they took, you know, a loss at, you know, making money off of uh, even going forward with another season, they at least will help out with the creative team to kind of continue the story and wrap things up. So when the show may live on by being on uh, Netflix or Hulu or whatever it is, that it's a, a story with the beginning, middle and end. And so, um, yeah, that would be great. Uh, I, I, it would be nice if Firefly and all these other shows would kind of come back, but it just seems like, you know, since it's been so long that um, it's kind of like with uh, Arrested Development or even the Dumb and Dumber sequel. Like, you build up so much uh, expectations for a show when it comes back uh, years later. It never quite lives up to what you expect because you, at, during that time, created so many sequels in your head that it just never made it. Yeah. And so, um, I think it's a good thing that, um, they're allowing the creators of Lucifer to kind of continue this story, uh, and whatever, however well it does. Um, it'd be, it, it, my wife will be happy knowing that they're, that it's, and they are happy because I actually just texted her a little bit ago saying, Hey, you know, heard about Lucifer. It's uh, found new life at Netflix, and so she's she's very happy. And so I'll be there watching it, and I don't mind the show. Yeah, uh, I'm uh, I'm glad it's doing it. I just hope Netflix gets other shows too. But yeah, Lucifer fans rejoice! You'll get more of it. And yeah, I'm a big Buffy fan as well. We're gonna have to do a Buffy episode at some point. Yeah, yeah, because uh, we've been. Look, been looking for reasons to kind of revisit that because um, we watched it probably three or four years ago. We went through all of that and Angel. The, um, both excellent shows. <laughs> yes. Uh, Buffy more so, but uh, Angel's got really good stuff. I just, what a bizarre ending that 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 show ends on. Yes. I don't Really yes. 300 style. Yeah, it's very interesting. But they they picked up Buffy comic book form. Yeah. Uh, for a while. Season eight. Yeah, yeah. season eight, yeah. So pretty good. Um, moving on, a little bit more news. Uh, we've been talking about Rob Zombie's sequel to Devil's Rejects and House of a Thousand Corpses. It's called Three from Hell, which brings back Bill Mosley, Sid Haig, and Sherry Moon Zombie. Uh, and he, I guess, um, Rob Zombie, um, put out another image from the movie three from hell, which gives some stuff away. Um, it's a picture of baby, uh, Sherry moon zombie, the blonde chick, part of the clan, uh, who in devil's rejects is seen kind of in a hail of gunfire as the movie ends, but it looks like she's alive. All of them are alive in jail. They survived the shooting, and actually the character's wearing a free baby shirt. So I guess the people like these three in this movie and want them released. I mean, I'm just very excited about this. This is oh, – I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just looking forward to it. I'm glad they all survived because the world needs more yeah. Captain Spaulding and Otis and Baby. Agreed damn good movies uh i need to revisit devil's rejects once again because me too excellent excellent stuff so uh so yeah yeah there's that um any other detail or any other news or details about any horror goodness um before we move on to bloody recommendations no i believe that is it it was kind of a light week even the past two weeks yeah um so yeah i think we hit all the high notes 
All right, what are we moving on to now? My bloody recommendations. Oh, my goodness, yes. All right. Who's going first? I'll go. All right. All right. Um, I teased this. Um, it might have been even the last episode or the, the episode before. Um, the Midnight Man, um, which is because uh, we're talking about Ninja 3, and that's a uh, – is that Scream Factory? Which Which one? Ninja 3, is that Scream yes, Factory? Yes, that's Scream Factory, yes. Okay, yes, yes. so this one's like Scream Factory, uh, IFC Midnight release through them. Um, so uh, this is the movie I want to do this week um, because I've had time to kind of digest all of what happens. And uh, like Ninja 3, it is a absolute mess of a movie, but it's ironically enjoyable. And so uh, Midnight Man came out, I think it was 2016, 2017. Yes. Um, but it just is now having its uh, release through uh, Scream Factory. So it's about, what, what do they call them, like cre- uh, creepypastas? Yes, uh, the, that creepypasta site where they tell horror stories or something like that. Yeah, so like internet horror stories, and they, they make their way on film. And so this one has like the feel of like a great well i guess that's up to you if you think it's great but i think Candyman movies like that are great and so this one has that kind of dna where um it's about like this creepy the titular creepy uh midnight man who looks like i think that's what's one of the pleasing aspects of the entire film is that he kind of looks it has a really good look to him, like Pumpkinhead, which we were talking about uh, last week, where, you know, they, they didn't create some digital monster or anything like that. They actually, well, they do some, like, work here and there throughout the movie, but for the most part, he is a practical creation. And so his whole thing is, like the movie It, is he feeds on the fear of people and, and kind of, like, shows them their worst fears. And so at the beginning of this movie, and I think this is where the movie is at its best, is at the very opening of the film. Because like it, um, it has a very brutal opening that involves like the murder, the murdering of children. And so in the very beginning of the film, they have these three kids that are playing the, the Midnight Man game. Um, and so they're like establishing the rules of the game and what they need to do to survive. And so they have to kind of like hang out in this like chalk drawn circle. And if they step out of it, um, based off of, uh, you know, visions that they might have of like the midnight man kind of taunting them in the shadows. Um, if they step out, he can snatch them up. And so that's what happens. Uh, the very, Early on, uh, one of the girls uh, begins to see things, and she freaks out and steps out of the circle. And the other two kids are like, "Get back in the circle! Get back in the circle!" And uh, she is completely is decapitated, with her head like in the hand of the Midnight Man to even make the 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 two remaining kids even more freaked out. And from there, uh, this is what shocked me and uh, kind of blew me away, literally. Um, one of the kids, like, you know, they, they plan, the, the two remaining ones, they plan to get out of the house. and um, But that's part of the game. Like, you cannot leave the house. You kind of have to stay there, play the game. And if you abandon it, uh, he can uh, get you. And so one of the kids is just like, I don't want to do this anymore. And he runs out of the house. He literally, like, you know, in the movie uh, Star Trek, when, like, the planets implode, uh, his whole body just, like, goes down to this, like, uh, dot sized blood and it just explodes with rain raining blood everywhere slayer style and <laughs> it's it's uh absolutely crazy and i just i was just like i can't believe this is going on in a you know in a horror movie um because uh that's like one seems like one of the no-nos like you just don't want to uh, kill kids in a in a in a horror movie and when it's done it's like very memorable and so for a movie to kill two kids right off the bat in like really horrific fashion is pretty ballsy um so just for that opening alone i think the movie is completely worth it but beyond that um it it's it's like a you know the purge movies where like they set up 
or I guess the first Purge movie, like they set up a really cool premise, but they just kind of shit the bed everywhere else. And so that's what kind of what happens. Like it, it has Robert England who plays, you know, Freddie, um, except here he's playing like a kind of like a Dr. Loomis type character. Like he's a doctor who had played the game um, when he was a kid and uh, kind of knows everything about everything. And then Lynn Shay of, you know, like insidious fame. Yeah. Uh, she plays uh, the girl that survives. Um, so the beginning kind of takes place in the past and they jump toward the present day and it's the granddaughter kind of, I guess, mirroring everything of what we were talking about with uh, Halloween. Um, the, the granddaughter is involved and she finds the game kind of tucked away like Jumanji and then like her and her boyfriend find the game and then Lynn Shay comes in and is like, oh no, you found the game. And then you got to play it. <laughs> and um, uh, so from there, like the acting's absolutely terrible. The dr- the dialogue is not very good. Even Midnight Man himself, who um, he talks a lot, kind of like Freddie. Um, and that kind of it, it's like a different tone, you know, like for the movie to have an opening like that, you kind of expect him to speak very little and just be scary and mysterious, but he's kind of like out in the open throughout the rest of the film. And that kind of hinders the experience a little bit. Um, but, um, there's some really good visual work. Uh, like I was saying with the practical, practical effects of him, uh, he even changes his face throughout because he, he looks like a, like a, like wood or like a skeleton that's been kind of fried in a way and like has been regrown in parts. It's really creepy face. You can look it up on uh, YouTube uh, to see like clips of him, but I, I would watch the whole movie too. Cause it's, uh, it can be enjoyed uh, if you watch it with the right people, just know that it's uh, it, it's not very good, but I highly recommend it because it's like I was saying, it can be, ironically enjoyable and i think it just has a whole just a a lot of potential to be a truly great horror movie it just does not uh add up by the end of it so it's it's more of like a mild recommendation but i just it just blew me away that the movie had the audacity to kind of go to the level that it does at the opening and then at some parts throughout the film, but it just kind of loses momentum along the way. And, um, I think if they made a a sequel, you know, like with the purge movies, you know, the second one kind of corrects the the concept a little bit or the course of the concept. And I think if they made more, uh, it could be a really good thing. Um, and they should work more with the rules and because that's another huge problem with the movie is like establishes all these rules at the very beginning, but it breaks a lot of them. And I don't think that a movie should do that. It needs to stick to the rules. And so the, the stakes are there, but, um, yes, I still throughout all those, you know, many pitfalls. It's a, it's an enjoyable movie. All right. And having a kid, did you, did it, did it, the, the opening scene get to you? Not really, not in the same way that mother did, I guess, just because the the children that are in the film, they're like, you know, nine, 10, 11 years old. And so uh, maybe while, as my son grows up, uh, it might be different down the line. But uh, right now, like if uh, a movie involves killing a baby or a toddler, like that's a little different. But uh, for now, like I can suspend my belief or disbelief and then just kind of enjoy it, even if it's like morally wrong. All right. Well, good to hear you. And the director of this movie is Travis Zarwini. Zarwini. Yeah. And I guess he's kind of like a production designer or, in a, or a grip. Uh, works in the electrical departments and camera stuff of movies. But interestingly enough, I'm always interested in how people get their starts. But it looks like he was like an assistant camera on that horror movie Joyride from the late 90s. And he was also a grip on Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Worst film of the franchise, for sure. That movie doesn't exist. (laughs) That movie does not exist. Uh, And other than that, directing-wise, he's kind of only done short films mostly. Midnight Man looks like to be his biggest 
thing yet. Yeah, I, I guess that's kind of tells you why uh, the movie looks really good. It's kind of like the I, I, I don't know who did the cinematography on the movie. I guess I could look it up, but he uh, it just seems like he he signed up for the wrong movie. Like it, the, the look of the movie is really good. Like, uh, um, so yeah, I guess that's, that, that's his strengths as a director is to like know where to place the camera, how to light it and then make it look effective. But maybe the problem is the, the problem is the screenplay. Yeah. The cinematographer for the movie is Gavin Kelly, who, um, did a lot than a lot of horror movies for sure, but I guess his big thing as cinematographer was uh, um, one of the seasons of American Horror Story. I guess the okay. cult one specifically. Oh, he also mm. was the uh, cinematographer for Love, L.U.V. with Common and Michael Rainey Jr. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there, there it is. Midnight Man, the Midnight Man, and it gets confusing because there's two Midnight Man movies out there that one says 2016 on IMDb and the other one says 2017. It's the one that says 2016 and you can find it on shoutfactory.com forward slash shop. Cool. 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 I like it. You want to hear my weird one of the day? Absolutely. But fun one. (laughs) My bloody recommendation this week, hopefully Preston has seen it. If he hasn't, he should get it. So I think it's right up his alley. It's called Nomads. Have you seen Nomads, yeah. sir? Pierce Brosnan, right? Yes. Yes, I have seen it. <laughs> so director John McTiernan is one of those directors that we all grew up with in the 80s and 90s. Um, you probably mostly recognize him from the action genre, such as Predator, Die Hard, Hunt for Red October, Last Action Hero, Thomas Crown Affair. John mm-hmm. McTiernan made some of those movies. Or all of those movies. But before he made those movies, he made a horror film called Nomads, which starred Pierce Brosnan prior to 007. Um, along this, the, Pierce Brosnan starred along with Adam Ant and Leslie Ann Down. Uh, weird movie, Nomads. Um, actually, I believe that uh, in an interview with Arnold Schwarzenegger... Schwarzenegger saw the movie Nomads and that he was so scared during it that he was like, I'm, I want McTiernan to direct Predator. And that happened. Mm. Very weird. If well, good thing. This movie. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, good thing. Um, the movie is super fun. Uh, there's a lot of issues with it, though, like Preston went along with his movie. Uh, so, like, there's, like, a plot in this film and a character that is, like, completely not necessary. And there's, like, a very incoherent, highly laughable climax and ending to this film as well. Um, but the film opens up with Pierce Brosnan screaming his head off and, like, he says something to this doctor... Um, and then he dies. So in the very first scene, we know that Pierce Brosnan dies, and then we go to a flashback of how he got to this place. Um, do you remember this at all? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I think the thing that's, like, popping in my head right now is Francis Bay being in the movie from Happy Gilmore. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, so basically... There's, like, anthropologists in this movie and then, like, goth punk thugs from the 80s. And they're sort of um, into demons and ghosts and shit like that. And this all kind of plays into Pierce Brosnan being taken over and then his eventual ending. <laughs> but this right. movie is so crazy. It's uh, it's actually it's a lot of fun. Um, and the score is by Bill Conti, who um, did Rocky. <laughs> uh, there's just this. This happened in the '80s. It's just it's it's insane. Um, 1986, and if you like Pierce Brosnan, you've never seen him like this before. Um, it's good. It's uh, it's it, it, he's not James Bond in this movie. He's just insane. Uh, there's a lot to like about this movie. It's it's supernatural, it's demonic, it's horror, but it's also how John McTiernan films this movie 
it's also super silly. <laughs> I don't think he found his niche yet. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of it's just, it, it's recommended for sure, because if you like these weird horror movies that you might have not heard of, this is one you want to see and possibly own, um, because there's just nothing else like it. And surprisingly, I can't believe they didn't remake this. But yeah, uh, but yeah there is... Um, it's on Scream Factory. You can get it on Scream Factory, and there's new interviews with Leslie Ann Down and the composer Bill Conti for it. Uh, but yeah, it's recommended um, if you want to see like a a bearded, hairy-chested Pierce Brosnan in a lot of the movies. It's pretty good. I like it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, so yes, Nomads and The Midnight Man. Uh, both from Scream Factory. Go to ScreamFactory.com and search these movies and buy them. You will like them. Yeah. Well, I feel like everything of what you and I have kind of detailed in our recommendations and even the the news that we've dived into perfectly set up our feature review of Ninja 3 because you were talking about, you know, uh, the Samurai Sword and Randy Jackson and then in and then in your review of Nomads, you brought up hairy-chested um, Pierce Brosnan, and we could, And then the boyfriend character in Ninja 3 is one of the most hairy men I've ever seen on screen um, because he's shirtless in the film, and that perfectly fits into this, this uh, unapologetically uh, strange and weird and goofy movie that this is. Yeah, Ninja 3, The Domination, the third in a trilogy of films which don't have any continuity whatsoever other than maybe Kung Fu. Uh, and, the, and the actor. And one uh, of the actors who's kind of in it. <laughs> um, it's super fun. Like, you, this film, like, throws everything and the kitchen sink in. And I feel like it plays out like if Hunter S. Thompson wrote this movie in a drug-induced bender in Vegas, who'd and like mix in like break into electric boogaloo and like kung fu and then horror, you get Ninja 3. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like in my review, I had wrote that, uh, I had written that uh, I had never seen uh, this movie or the two previous ones, but like you said, uh, so the first one's 1981's Enter the Ninja, and then the second one being 1983's Revenge of the Ninja, and I hadn't seen those, and I still haven't, but I'm interested in seeing them at this point, just to kind of see if there's like anything at all that is remotely similar, but from what I hear, the second one, Revenge of the Ninja, is actually the best one, but uh, I, I really had a great time uh, with this one and I just was not expecting to at all but like I do with a lot of the Shout Factory and Scream Factory movies that I uh, asked to uh, review I'm just I'm most of the time pretty surprised even I guess at this point I just kind of know what to expect uh, especially you know seeing getting an email that says Ninja 3 uh, re- uh, requests uh you can do it now, and and then I'm just like I haven't seen the, any of the the previous two, but I'm just down with this one, <laughs> uh, just for the hell of it. Because the cover um, art is so amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, th- from what I understand, they they released it like uh, Scream Factory released it a couple of years ago, but this is like the collector's edition that they have that comes with like the slip cover and some more features, I believe. Yes. Yes. Um... If you think you know Ninja 3, The Domination, you don't until you've seen the whole thing. Um, This is like the embodiment and uh, the embodiment of what cult films are. Yeah. (laughs) And why they're there. Um, It's super fun. I mean, even... It's fun to explain and it's fun to just watch it, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example of this movie. The first 10 or so minutes take place on a fancy golf course. Yes. And out of nowhere, a ninja pops out <laughs> on the golf course and starts fighting people. And then the police chase ensues. And this ninja's getting shot, but he's not he's not harmed. <laughs> yeah, he he's like uh, Jason or um, something else like that. Well, he... Um, 
let's talk a little bit about that that opening because I mean you were talking about like not uh, how there's no continuity with the trilogy. There's no continuity with this movie in general, <laughs> yes. um, especially with that opening action scene. Because uh, for for instance, um, you know the, the whole opening is about like this this ninja wanting this killing this rich dude and his wife for for no for I guess no reason. Uh, yeah, you, maybe... you just you just see like it might be a mob boss, it might be just people playing golf, but the ninja appears and kills people. <laughs> yeah. So uh, later after this, like the cops show up, and then he's like on the run, and there's a scene where he's uh, on top of a police car, and there's two cops that are inside, and. Or, or I might be confusing it, but there's there's a moment where he swings on a, like he puts a rope around a tree, and he swings around the tree and hits the the cop car to change the direction of it, like a ton. It, it, it you know cars weigh like a ton, and this guy all it takes is a simple kick, and it causes the car to fly off into the pond that's nearby, and immediately after that. There's a shot of a cop on a motorcycle. Yes. And he swings around and hits that cop off. Like, he he falls off. Like, he falls <laughs> off onto the ground in the shot. But the shot immediately after that is the cop still on the bike, and he falls off again, miraculously. So, yeah, continuity doesn't matter, nor physics. And then... And then right after that, so another cop comes up, and he's like, where did he go? And we don't know where he went. And then we look in the water, and there's a shot of a bamboo stick. And then you're like, oh, shit. So he's, like, in the water, and then the, the bamboo stick points towards the cop, and he shoots him with a dart. And then he runs out of the water, covered in water. Next shot, completely dry. dry. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that is what we're dealing with here. Smoke grenade goes off, the the ninja vanishes, and then we kind of uh, meet this aerobics instructor who's aerobics instructor who's also a telephone line woman too. Yeah, who like works the pole up, you know. <laughs> yeah, not not that meaning though, not yes. the pole, <laughs> <laughs> the telephone pole, for, literally. <laughs> and it seems like. There's kind of, it's kind of like, I don't, it's, it's hard to distinguish what actually happens in the movie because but, <laughs> how it's yeah, filmed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I guess like she's, she's, uh, working this pole <laughs> and, uh, she sees the ninja like injured, like running off after he's been shot like Scarface, um, and so, like Child's Play, this ninja needs to find a new meat capsule for <laughs> his spirit. So, and that, that's where this this woman played, you know, played by Lucinda Dickey. Her name, her character name is Chris, Christy Ryder. And so, uh, we can only assume that his soul goes into the sword, and then she takes the sword, and then the memories of like how he was murdered here uh or killed by all these cops and he wants revenge and so he does that through this woman and um from there the movie gets even more uh bizarre and ridiculous and we need to talk about um how later in the movie and i hope this is the spirit working through here through her because it's absolutely ridiculous uh so she has a love scene with uh, one of the cops who actually shot, right? Like he shot. He yeah, shot it's like like it's like her pseudo boyfriend, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, and he's very creepy. Like he is yes. putting off all these like like rapey machismo type of feel, and uh, and that that even carries through uh, to like when you see her in her aerobics job at this gym, and you see like all these uh, guys who were probably like could have been in the movie predator they're like built up and they're just like working out watching like these movie uh watching these girls uh do their aerobics and watching their asses so and, and then after that like uh uh these group of guys uh proceed to rape christy but she 
has uh, all these uh, fighting abilities now. She can really uh, defend herself. And uh, what's funny uh, before we get to the love scene is that she uh, she's fighting all these people, but everybody that's around there is just like not doing anything. They're like standing there with their thumbs up their asses, not doing anything. Specifically, this cop character, like he's a cop. Like you think his instinct would be like, oh, I gotta you know intervene, I gotta uh, help her, and yet he just like stands there in awe, like oh man, she's really like kicking their asses. Um, but uh, so yeah, like after that, there's this love scene. Yes, yeah, set, and... set, set the stage for everybody here. I want to hear you describe this. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Okay, so so the combination of evil mixed with a person with feathered hair, like Sarah Connor in the original Terminator, who likes to dance to over the top '80s pop. And to see her soak herself in V8 juice when making when making love to this man is really something. It's like a mishmash of like Flash Dance, The Exorcist, and like a ninja movie. And I just like like why V8 juice? Like that's the most unsexy thing that you can put on yourself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not, not not whipped cream, not milk, like V8 juice. Yeah, I'm going to put and some of that V8 juice. You remember those commercials, V8? You don't see those anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, she she just pours it down her chest and uh, wants the guy to lick it off of her, and he does. It is crazy. And even on this Scream Factory Blu-ray, they talk about the V8 juice in the uh, extras. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and it's just you it's one of those scenes like you're thinking of like, okay, how did this get made? And who thought of this? Like the director. Okay. <laughs> yeah. How like this is we're just we have VA juice. Let's just pour this all over you. And like he must have loved this actress because he worked with her in Breaking Two Electric Boogaloo as well. Yeah. Um, so he must want to see her naked and just uh, V8 juice. I don't know. Maybe that's a fetish of his, but it is damn funny and yeah. crazy to see. Uh, yeah, there's no other scene like that that has ever been recreated. <laughs> no. Uh, um, also, Lo Pan from Big Trouble Little China shows mm-hmm. up in this film as well and gives a good old exorcism. <laughs> yeah, and so I guess that's the scene that's the that that fits into it being like a, a horror movie in 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 a certain way but uh um from what i read is that the the scene where they're doing the exorcism like she actually she like in the scene she is like spinning around and talking in a uh sinister voice just like uh in the exorcist yeah, but no, they, the exorcist, they yeah and, and yeah, it was originally supposed to be, it was going to be rated X uh, because the scene was supposed to have like a scene where she spins her head around just like the exorcist, but they ended up taking it out. But um, uh, yeah, it's a good scene. I actually like that scene. No, I did too. And it was seeing low pan and it is just great. I mean, and, yeah, go ahead. And, and he delivers the line that makes no sense, but it is also really funny. Is and it's on the back of the cover. Only a ninja can kill a ninja. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! I'm telling you, there is no way you don't have a good time with this movie. It just there's no way if you watch it. How do you not have a fun time in entertaining two hours with this or hour and a half? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I had a great time with this. Uh, just I had no idea what to expect, but just went along for the ride. Uh, problems and all, a lot of problems and all. But um, it's just, uh, I, I think that's the whole, you know, the whole theme of this week with all our recommendations and uh, this film is just that it's, uh, like I was saying earlier, like unapologetically just, just does not it just does not care at all that it's uh, a problematic film like it just wants to kind of have fun and it it, it's uh it takes itself really like everything is done in a serious manner and um and that makes it all the more enjoyable today to watch a movie from like 1984 where 
these filmmakers and actors give it their all. But yeah, yeah. Well, they were like, this is going to be the best movie ever. We have yeah. so much good stuff here. <laughs> and then you see it and you're like, well, it's still good, but <laughs> yeah, it's, still it's like, it's like, it's like your two critics in one. Like, you know, if you're, you're putting on your real critic hat, like somebody who goes to the movies today and were to write a review of this, if it came out today on, and you see a review on Rotten Tomatoes, like it, it would probably be a 0% or, or something like that. But, uh, that, you know, now that it's been some time and you, it's almost like you're, you're just forgiving of it just because it has been a lot of times uh, since it had come out. Um, and it was a different time for, uh, movies in general and so yeah like for them to just go all out and uh treat this as if it's like citizen kane is uh just makes it all the more enjoyable so yeah a lot of fun a lot of fun it is it is this is this, i think this is a highly recommended movie for those who just love the pure art of ridiculous cinema <laughs> i mean he can crush golf balls in his hand. Yes. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so good. I just have to imagine like, okay, we had this golf course. We have to do something here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it makes no sense, yeah. but it makes all the sense. Yeah. The kind of, it, and it reminds me a little bit of like Nicholas Wine and Refn's method for making movies. Cause, or at least that's what I think. I mean, I've talked to him a couple of times, but I've never really asked like what, what's his uh, method for making movies, but it kind of just seems like he just steps into like an area and just like, maybe he went golfing one day and was just like, I would like to shoot something out here. And this just happened to pop up. It's like a collection of like all these different ideas that just are, assembled into rolled up balled up into one movie and this is just what we get um and and that's kind of what happens with reference films especially uh with like neon demon and only god forgives it's just like he has like an idea of how to make it look and how he wants you to feel but uh as one whole thing it really is kind of like a just disjointed movie and so but i, I like neon demon more but uh, this one is a very disjointed film, but still can be enjoyed uh, through all its problems and just uh, how it just kind of like a, what I've been saying just goes for it. Yeah. It, Ninja Three: the domination. Look it up. Scream Factory. Buy that today. Yeah. Because you'll yeah. like it. Um, yes. Yeah. Is that our, is that our uh, is that our ninth episode? Yep, number nine in the bag. All right, we have our we have a tenth episode. I feel like this is a landmark tenth yes. episode. Um, I finally got uh, my John Landis interview uh, stuff up, so we might have to uh, put a little bit of that, talk a little bit about that out there for tenth episode. Sure. And um, you know, we still haven't had James Cole Clay on our yes. podcast. And that one, and number 10 would be the perfect one to do. I do have a movie in mind, but maybe we can, like, work that out and see what else, uh, something else that we've all kind of seen together. But it would be good because he's actually going to the Jaws thing, too. He'll be going on Saturday, and I'll be going on Friday. But we can both talk about that and what he's been up to. So, yeah, I think that would be the perfect opportunity for us to kind of just all hang out and talk about what's been going on oh absolutely and we're gonna have to do something special for this too we'll we'll figure it out but yeah next week 10th episode very exciting my bloody podcast itunes and stitcher radio go search for it um and preston tell them where they can find you us everyone where we sleep all of that good stuff um so yeah you can find me on twitter at preston barta and I am writing film reviews and interviews. I just recently covered um, the Oak Cliff Film Festival in Dallas, and I uh, did an interview with Penelope Spears, uh, who directed Wayne's World. Um, but we talked about her 1987 movie, Dudes. Um, so that was a lot of fun. You can find that on, you can actually find it on freshfiction.tv, where I'm the features editor. So you can find all sorts of movie reviews and interviews and original articles there. And, uh, yeah, that's where I am. 
That is awesome. I, I really wanted to cover this festival, and I really wanted to talk with Penelope because I love the decline of Western civilization. And yes, um, um, Wayne's World, of course. Was it yeah, a good interview? Took, yeah, it was a great interview. We talked for like thirty minutes, and uh, we we talked about the decline of Western civilization. She's uh, making a fourth one right now. She she didn't awesome. really dish dish the details on that uh, because it's it. It's strange because it's seen, she was very honest with me. Like she just is not about narrative filmmaking at all today. So she's most interested in making documentaries, and it just so happens that this is uh, going to be one of the ones, one of the two potentially four documentaries that she's making that are coming out. Awesome, awesome sausages. I like it. I'm glad you got to talk with her. Um, very cool. Where where can they find you? Do all that. Where where? Tell them again. Tell tell them. So yeah, uh, Ditton Rick Chronicle. So on Ditton, D N T O N R C dot com, or on FreshFiction dot TV. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, yeah. Next week will be ten. Preston, I love doing this. So let's keep doing it for a long, long, yeah. long time. Please. And I can't wait to find out James Cole Clay. Is it, is it James Cole Clay or James Clay Cole? I can never get it right. Uh, I, I just like it when you say James Clay Cole, so I never correct you. But, it, yeah, it's James Cole Clay. James Cole Clay. James Cole Clay. Okay. I just call him Cole. Just Cole. Um, but so, no, yeah, it's up to you. JCC, JC. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll come up with a name for him. But I, I definitely – I can't wait to talk with him and find out some of the movies that scared him the most or that he has to sleep with the lights on still because I'm sure there's a couple of them out there. Uh-huh. Hopefully we'll find out next week. Um, but yes, my bloody podcast until next time. <laughs>